0: the whole dominant role men were used to play in society, in economics, in politics, even in the family. I think this is at at the core of those ideologies, that they want to regain significance, male significance, which is lost or gets more and more lost, and to regain resources. I mean, in the end, it's about resources be it human resources or even economic resources. The violence against women is on the rise. This has reasons, and I think it's because the backlash reaches also the home in the end. It's difficult because it's not only that those extremist narratives and groups are more and more reaching the middle of society, but it's also that the whole thinking of those ideologies comes from the middle of our societies and it has a fertile ground in our societies. So it's, it's more a dialectic <laughs> process of both. But when we see how frequently now we are confronted with news like the abortion debate in the US, for example, Roe v. Wade, how 50 years of reproductive rights shall be rolled back in just a year or so, or the mass shooting of Buffalo recently. This is all connected. This is all more or less the same idea of the great replacement of white people being replaced due to feminism and what feminism has achieved, among others. I think this is becoming mainstream, That not only extremist positions, but also extremist attacks take place in a very, very frequent way. And I think this is scary.
1: I'm your host, Michelle King, joined by Kelly Thompson, and you're listening to The Fix, a podcast that shares the stories of remarkable people who are innovating and taking action to advance equity, equality, diversity, and inclusion in the workplace and
2: beyond. Before we start today's episode, I just want to take a moment to check in with you all. As you know, last week we saw in the United States the Supreme Court's decision to overturn Roe versus Wade, and we send out our support to everyone who is struggling with and impacted by the ramifications of this ruling. There's been so much coverage and discussion about the erosion of human rights this represents, And there's also a lot of fear about what comes next and whether we're going to see more destruction of progress that we had made. Though the reality of women's rights varies hugely across the world, by country, by geography, by ethnicity, by socio-economic circumstance, in recent decades more and more women have won rights and spaces like never before, like the right to choose for themselves and to autonomy over their bodies, to have a career, not to have children, to have abortions, to love other women. Suzanne Kaiser, who is the author of Political Masculinity and our guest on today's episode, warns that some men feel their masculinity is threatened by these shifts and grieve the loss of male privilege. She says they share a sense of being entitled to women's bodies and sex, attention, affection, and recognition. And they want to force women back to a subordinate position in the social hierarchy making the needs and privileges of men dominant once again by turning masculinity into a political programme. Suzanne's work that she'll talk about with us today highlights the misogynistic and sexist views she says are shared by many right-wing extremists, religious fundamentalists and male supremacists coming together in a global backlash against Western democracy.
1: Patriarchy is the belief that women are somehow less valuable than men, and it's everywhere. This foundational belief underpins most of our workplaces and institutions today. It isn't something most of us intentionally set out to believe or practice, but it is, however, ingrained. It's insidious. It's universal. Where did patriarchy originate from? Well, in the book Sapiens, author Yuval Noah Harari outlines a brief history of humans. He describes how through the collective myths and stories, humans learn to cooperate with one another and advance. Shared beliefs enabled humankind to collaborate because they were all working with the same value system. And while there isn't an exact date for when patriarchy took hold, it is clear that at least since the agricultural revolution, which occurred at different times and in different regions of the world, most societies have held the pervasive belief that men and masculinity are somehow more valuable and more important than women and femininity. When humans moved away from the hunter-gatherer lifestyles and began adopting agriculture as the main way to obtain food, this created a hierarchical division of labor. Women stayed home, took care of the children, and men went to work in the fields or to farm and produce food. And you might be thinking that men and women assumed these different roles because of biological sex differences. Men had the strength to work in fields, and women were natural nurturers on the home fund. But research doesn't support this. Research shows that boys and girls from a very young age are socialized to perform these gendered roles linked to their sex. It isn't innate. Feminism is the belief that men and masculinity are just as valuable as women in femininity and that every individual deserves the freedom to be themselves and to be valued for that. The fight for control over women's bodies is a fight against feminism. Suzanne argues that this is why we're seeing alliances forming against feminism globally. The rise of the so-called strong man to the highest political office, with leaders like Donald Trump being appointed, is really all an effort to roll back minorities' rights, and in particular, put women in their rightful place. Here Suzanne shares why we're seeing the rise of authoritarian movements and why this is inextricably linked to the progress of gender equality.
0: This whole uprising of authoritarian movements in the last, I'd say, 20 years going on, they have put some pressure on Western democracies, on a minority rights, women's rights, the LGBTQ plus community's rights, and all that. We see it all around in Europe. We have it started in France. We see it in, in Poland, of course, everywhere. We see it in Germany with the AfD, Alternative für Deutschland the alternative for Germany, um, which we never expected that such a right-wing group could really uprise in Germany, and in Great Britain, of course, with the whole um, Brexiteers and Brexit campaign, and in the U.S. as well. What we haven't seen for quite a long time is that gender dimension in the movements. It's at the core of the ideologies behind those groups is sexism, is misogyny. It's really about to restore patriarchy. And to make masculinity great again, in a way. And male supremacy is what has become a political program more and more. And it becomes quite clear when we look at the main players. And I've investigated or um, identified three main players, three um, big groups. For my book, it's the political right, right right-wing populists, uh, white supremacists, up to right-wing extremists and terrorists. Then we have fundamentalists and religious hardliners also that you see all around. It's in, in Poland, for example, it's Catholic hardliners in France as well, in Italy. But we also see, um, evangelicals in the US, for example. This is the second group. And then we have a third group, which is male supremacists. And this is a very heterogeneous group as well. So we see pickup artists, for example, or men's rights activists or insults. And those three, Big groups, they come together in order to, to subordinate women, again, to a lower place in, or a lower position in the social hierarchy and patriarchy, back to their place. And we see how those groups connect under this aim and how they network, how they bind really their ideologies together in order to achieve this. So this is the one point, it's also called symbolic glue, that binds those groups together. And they have one common enemy, which is feminism, and they blame feminism for different grievances. For example, the groups of incels they blame feminism for the fact that women can choose with whom they want to be together. And they don't choose insults, so they grief the insult entitlement to women's bodies to have access to, to sex, for example. And all that or the white supremacists for example they blame feminism for the fact that women choose careers over having uh, children we are very fast in in the whole what they call the white genocide and the whole great replacement um, conspiracy a uh, theory or ideology and the religious groups religious hardliners um, they blame feminism for the fact that women have control over their bodies so that they can choose to determinate a pregnancy, have abortions, have reproductive rights, and no children at all. And this would lead to humanity to an end, so to say, and the extinction of humanity.
1: Backlash is a sign progress is being made. Our social conditioning, including the influence of social media, contributes to how we perceive women in leadership, culture, power, or authority. The lack of diversity in politics or mainstream media or TV shows and commercials all helps to normalize stereotypes and devalue women and women's contributions. When women try to break through those stereotypes, they experience resistance. This is known as backlash. It's like a pendulum that swings back and forth as more progress is being made to advance gender equality there's backlash, but the aim is to keep moving forward towards a more equal society.
0: It's authoritarian movements, and they are reactionary. So in this moment of history, they react to something, and I'd say it's to the success feminism has gained in the last 20 years thanks to the internet, because the internet with not that same organisation like the analogue world, there are no glass ceilings. There are no gatekeepers in the beginning, at least. It was quite an anarchic <laughs> space. So women and, and other political minorities had a lot of opportunities to gain spaces, rights, to, to really move the analog world as well, not only the internet, to gain visibility. And this created a whole new digital public. And in the end, a whole new public because it's entangled. Um, now we can't separate the two (laughs) worlds any longer. And this had an effect on masculinity, on male privilege. So they they contested, or they have contested, male privilege in very hard ways. And the whole dominant role men were used to play in society, in economics, in politics, even in the family. I think this is at, at the core of those ideologies that They want to regain significance, male significance, which is lost or gets more and more lost, and to regain resources. I mean, in the end, it's about resources, be it human resources or even economic resources. The violence against women is on the rise. This has reasons, and I think it's because the backlash reaches also the home in the end. It's difficult because it's not only that those extremist narratives and groups are more and more reaching the middle of society but it's also that the whole thinking of those ideologies comes from the middle of our societies and it has a fertile ground in our societies so it's it's more a dialectic (laughs) process of both but when we see how frequently now we are confronted With news like the abortion debate in the U.S., for example, Roe v. Wade, how 50 years of reproductive rights shall be rolled back in just a year or so, or the mass shooting of Buffalo recently, this is all connected. This is all more or less the same idea of the great replacement of white people being replaced due to feminism and what feminism has achieved, among others. I think this is becoming mainstream, that Not only extremist positions, but also extremist attacks take place in a very, very frequent way. And I think this is scary.
2: With our podcast, as you know, we always talk about what the particular challenges that we're exploring mean in a work context. We know already that workplaces are often gendered and that masculine norms are built into the fabric of lots of businesses. And On our episode last week, we shared how backlash against gender equality is showing up at work and some of the latest research on this. But with Suzanne's work looking at masculinity and backlash in a broad geopolitical context, we were really interested for her to share her thoughts on what these current challenges that she's identified may mean for women at work on a day-to-day basis.
0: This is what I call the feminist paradox because women have gained so, um, so many rights and so many good positions also at the workplace, well, we see how much women get attacked when they cover a position in a so-called male uh, field, like commentators for football, for example, female commentators in football, or other um, po- politicians, for example. They are so much attacked. So we see that backlash at least online taking place against those very prominent, very visible, professional women. And to the solution part, yeah, I mean, it's difficult. We'd need a whole change of society because I'm convinced that those movements come from more from the middle of societies. It's about gender socialization. Half a year ago, I had said we need a new masculinity. But at this point now, I'm convinced that we don't need a new masculinity because what could that be? Then there are concepts like caring masculinity, for example, but it's really not about masculinity any longer. It's associated with a uh, woman's quality and caring is, is human. So maybe it's really masculinity and with a femininity, which is a, a, at an end. So do we need those categories any longer? I'd say no, <laughs> we don't need them, but it's very hard to overcome those um, categories. And what what we see at the moment is that we have even more categories. When we look at the LGBTQ plus community, for example, you can identify and orient sexually in all directions. In in the end, this is an end of category, I'd say. And uh, maybe this is good. And I think in the education sector, we should work towards that. So we need politics, especially education politics, that work against male and female stereotypes and break that up.
2: With the right to abortion no longer nationally protected in the United States, roughly half of the states are likely to ban the procedure outright. Shirley Chisholm said that abortion is a fact of life. Women have always had them. They always have. They always will. Are they going to have good ones or bad ones? Will the good ones be reserved for the rich while the poor women go to the quacks? As many have said, the reality of any abortion ban is that it does not stop abortions, it restricts access to safe abortions, and this impact is felt disproportionately by the most vulnerable groups. But we can take action. For listeners in the United States, the midterm elections are coming up in the US, and this is your opportunity to get out and vote for the candidates that you feel stand for and with all people who can get pregnant. If you want to provide more direct support, there are lots of organisations across the US fighting for reproductive rights and helping people access care. Just some examples are Planned Parenthood and the ACLU. Perhaps your organisation wants to join the list of companies who are already making it a policy to support all employees with accessing safe and legal abortions by providing support with travel and medical costs. And finally, we really want to encourage everyone to share their story if they feel comfortable to do this and to speak out on this important topic. But in particular, male allies, now is your time to share why women's rights are human rights. Like my colleague, Matt, a leader in our business, who chose to use his platform to post about the chilling effect of this case on women's rights across the USA and to openly reflect on how much more there is to be done to protect all minority rights.
1: I really hope you all appreciated today's episode. It's a really difficult topic, and I just want to really encourage all of you to take action every day to advance women's rights. A quick message before you go, if you enjoyed the podcast and you'd like more, then hit subscribe now wherever you get your podcast and leave a review. Thank you so much for tuning in, and if you're interested in partnering with us in any way or being a guest on the show, then you can reach out through our website, thefixpodcast.org. You can also sign up to our monthly newsletter and contribute your story there. Thanks again for tuning in, and I'll catch you all again next week.